Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McAllen. Did you know that blind people can play ice hockey? Yes, it's true. USA Hockey says that blind hockey is the same fast-paced, exhilarating sport with the primary difference that the players are all legally blind. Joining us to explain how we can play ice hockey are USA Hockey blind representative Kevin Shanley and Canadian Blind Hockey Association president and blind goaltender Gary Steeps. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks very much. Kevin and Gary, before we get into blind hockey, tell us about yourselves. You want to start, Kevin? Uh, go ahead. Um, so I'm, my, my name is Gary Steves. I'm the president of Canadian Blind Hockey, and I've been playing blind hockey for about 35 years or so. Uh, in my job, I'm a social worker, and uh, I guess the other thing I do for fun is uh, play music. I'm a drummer in a classic rock band. Very nice. How did you both become interested in ice hockey and bringing the sport to the blind? Um, well, like I've been, I was, started playing when I was a kid in Calgary, when I was about age 12 or so. Um, they started an ice program for some kids who were blind, and it kind of grew from there into an organized team. And Kevin, we brought him in. We had our first national tournament in 2013, I believe it was. Yeah. And Kevin was our first American, well, our only American player to come to the tournament. <laughs> At that time, yeah. Gary, I understand you're a blind goaltender. What makes blind goaltending a fascinating part of blind ice hockey? Uh, well, I think being a goaltender is a certain mindset as it stands. So people are shooting, in our case, a, a large metal puck at me at quite high speeds. But uh, I, I just really enjoy the, the responsibility, the fun of uh, you know stopping the puck and being that last line of defense. And uh, basically, it's you know it's done by tracking the puck, listening to the puck, listening to where players are, and using hockey sense. So knowing if the puck is in the corner somewhere, it's likely to get past somewhere before they can shoot on goal because they're not going to get a good shot otherwise. So, um, yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun back there, good exercise, and good being part of a team. How did blind ice hockey get its start in Canada during the 70s? Um, a bunch of people in Toronto got together, and kind of like it did in Calgary. Calgary started in the late 70s, I guess, but uh, the same idea. They started playing on uh, outdoor ice, and then the program became more organized. It got more people involved. And since that time, the teams have developed across Canada. So there's programs in now in Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal, and we have some learn-to-skate and youth programs going on in Toronto and uh, also Halifax and Newfoundland. So uh, it's gone from kind of being very separate little isolated programs back in the 70s and the 80s and and uh, now in the 2000s and almost 20s it's all very organized and a lot of programs happening okay kevin so how did blind hockey start in america well i guess it started with um matt morrow convincing me to come to that first canadian blind hockey tournament in 2013 um, as I mentioned, I was, you know, very welcome. I felt uh, very much part of the community, even though it was my first time and I was the only American there. And um, when I came back to the States, Canadian Blind Hockey reached out and said, that, you know, what can we do to help uh, you to get things started? 
And what we did was we put on the first ever blind hockey summit here in Newburgh, New York. Um, a number of players from Montreal and Toronto uh, came down and played with a handful of local players that we, we sort of uh, beat the drums and got out. And um, we invited USA hockey to come uh, take a look. They came and they, uh, they fell in love. They got on board and uh, the rest is history. The rest may be history, but this this special gathering involved a tryout session. What was that? So, so we we do a number of tryout sessions across the country every year, um, and that one uh, was no different. And and this is no different than what USA Hockey does for uh, youth hockey as well. So it's um, sort of an event where we say, okay. You've got an interest in possibly playing hockey, a curiosity at least. Um, maybe you've done it before, maybe you haven't, maybe you've skated before, maybe you haven't. We will provide the necessary equipment, so skates, gloves, stick, and helmet, um, as sort of your basic uh, equipment. Come on out and give this a try. And uh, if you like it, we'll, we'll, uh, figure out who to get you in contact with so you can do this more regularly and you can get more practice. And if you don't, well, no harm. Thanks for trying. Um, hopefully you had a good time. Hopefully you had a good time. What's the player setup for the game, Gary? Um, for the game, it's played just like sighted hockey. Um, so there's five people on the ice, one goalie. People are wearing just regular ice hockey gear, so face mask, uh, shoulder pads, pants, knee, uh, shin pads, skates, uh, hockey gloves. So it's just all the same gear you wear for normal hockey. Um, helmet, yeah, well, <laughs> helmet attached to the face mask, hopefully. But, uh, um, yeah, so basically we want to make sure everybody's well protected, just like we do when you're playing sighted hockey, because uh, the game is fairly fast and, and the puck, you know, does move around fairly quickly. Uh, and, and basically we get new people out. We orientate them to the ice surface try and get them comfortable with the new space and people have a wide variety of vision. Um, so going from 10% down to about 6%, which is B3, and then from 6 down to about 1%, which is B2, and then 1%, which is kind of light perception down to zero, is B1. And in our sport, the goalies have to be B1s. And then generally speaking, though there's always exceptions to each rule, is the high vision B3s are often playing four, the lower visions are often playing defense. But it really depends on your site because sometimes people have a certain site condition that might allow them to score goals, be in front of the net, pick up those passes where maybe skating up and down the ice with the puck is not as easy for them to do. So it really varies, but uh, that's kind of the general general way site breaks down in hockey. One big difference about blind ice hockey, it's got a special modified puck. So Kevin, can you tell us about this puck? Sure. Um, the puck is about twice the size and diameter as a standard uh, NHL hockey puck and about twice the height as well. Um, it is hollow and it's made of metal and it contains about eight ball bearings inside. And when the puck moves, the ball bearings collide with each other and collide into the sides of the puck and, and make a lot of noise so that the players can, can track it. What kind of noise does it make? It's a loud, um, tinny kind of a sound of, um, you know, metal, metal on metal. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sounds like a tin can with some rattles in it, basically. And 
um, over the years, and especially in Canada, we've tried all kinds of different objects as the puck. This is the, the latest one, which is working the best. And we used to use cans, actually, when I first started playing hockey. And then we'd weight the cans so it wouldn't fly in the air. And then we'd put ball rings in the cans so it would make noise. And over the years, it's all developed into the new puck that we've kind of came up with in the last, I guess we've had it for five or six years now. That works really well for everybody. What are some of the adaptations to the sport to help with player safety and gameplay? I know we have masks, but aren't there any any other special little adaptations out there? Um, well, we have a couple of rules around the crease to make it safer for the goalie. So uh, we use International Ice Hockey Federation rules. So you can't enter the crease with your skate. So that stops you from, from kind of going through the crease. Uh, and also, if the puck hits the goalie and stops moving in the crease in the blue ice, uh, we blow it dead if it stops moving. And that just is kind of like a sighted goalie would have covered that up. So again, stops people from diving in there, whacking for their sticks too much. Um, we also have a one-pass rule, which kind of makes the game more safe in a sense allows people to know what's going on better. So when you go into the offensive zone, you must make one clean pass before you can shoot on goal. And that gives more information to the low vision goalie and defensive players that it's possible to shoot. And it also ensures that the people with the highest vision or highest skill sets don't take over the game. So it helps with participation as well. All right. So I was looking at some of the blind ice hockey rules on the web and a couple things. Gary, you got to explain to me why there are custom three feet high nets, why these are yeah, well, you instead of the You're asking the right person. Yeah, you're asking the right person because I'm the goalie. Uh, the reason we did that, because for many years in the different programs that we had in Canada, we had different ways of adapting the net to the goal. When we counted, it was halfway up the net or all the way up the net. Or, and the whole thing is that the puck we use doesn't make any noise when it's in the air. And so to make it a bit more fair for the goalies, we take a foot off the net. So as you say, a normal NHL net is four feet high and six feet wide. And we take a foot off ours and custom build our nets uh, that are three feet high and the normal six feet wide. Um, so it just gives the, the totally blind goalie a bit more of a chance to cover those higher shots. Um, trust me, that's where all the good goals are going in still is off the crossbar and in. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the main reason for doing that. Now, Kevin, why do teams have to complete one pass while in, the, while in the attacking zone, where the players attack the defense before they're being allowed to score? Yeah, so as Gary mentioned, um, the, the one pass rule there is um, partially for safety to let the, the lower vision uh, defense and goalie know that the puck has entered the zone and, and things, are, things are coming their direction now, but also to uh, engage more of a, a team play uh, sort of environment for the game because um, hockey at all levels is an eye-hand coordination game and the player on the ice with the highest level of vision is always going to have the advantage and so but when you're talking about blind hockey where the the range of vision is uh, substantial but also at the lower end of, of the spectrum um, you know someone with nine ten percent vision has a considerable advantage over someone with two, three percent vision. So um, we don't want a single individual to sort of steal the show. And so we want to make sure that um, the, the game is being played by a team. And that's being played fairly? Correct. Okay. Makes sense. The ice official uses a different whistle to show that both the offense can score and that pass has been completed. How's the whistle different? From regular ice hockey? It's just a different tone. Um, 
and uh, it's sort of rather rather than a quick uh, tweet like the like a standard referee whistle would sound, it's um, it's held. It's an electronic whistle, and the the referee will hold it for several seconds to make sure that everyone hears it. And it's more of a continuous, um, almost like a bird singing kind of a sound. Yeah, and, and as a goalie or as a player, I mean, you need to kind of be playing the puck. Like I know as a goalie, because uh, often the pass whistle will go as the person gets the puck on their stick and the pass is completed. And if I'm waiting to hear that whistle before I'm moving across with the puck and tracking the puck, it's in the net. So uh, it's like an extra tool basically for the goalies. But I, I know for myself that I've learned I can't, totally counter has got to be there expecting a shot wherever the puck is and then you know that just helps everybody else know in case that isn't it you know the pass gets the shot gets missed or something that uh, the the puck is live and then in the zone and people can shoot and score what are some of the current blind ice hockey teams out there well kevin won't you won't you tell about all the amazing ones that have developed uh, in the states in the last seven years yes yeah. so we've got about nine here in the states um we've got the colorado visionaries We've got the St. Louis Blues blind hockey. We've got the Minnesota Wild blind hockey. We've got the Chicago Blackhawks blind hockey. We've got the Pittsburgh Penguins blind hockey. We've got the Washington Wheelers. We've got the New York Nightshade. We've got the New York Metro blind hockey. And we've got the Hartford Brailers. The Hartford Brailers and who Nightshade? I I saved saved the best name for last. (laughs) (laughs) It's the, the New York Nightshade. New York Nightshade and Hartford Brailers. I like those names. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We have to admit the Hartford Brailers is the best blind hockey name there is. So especially when they Absolutely. use like the Whalers kind of a the jersey and stuff. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, how are the teams ranking up? Who's the best of the best? Well, Hartford's got the best name. Um, other than that, we don't really have head-to-head competition. Um, so because we want uh, hockey to be for everyone. All of our teams have a wide variety of uh, age, skill, and size. And so teams will get together and have practices where, you know, the ice will be split up into different sections depending on size and skill level. But then um, we don't have like a league where the teams will play head-to-head. What we do is um, a couple times a year, or what are we up to, about seven, eight times a year now, Gary, where between the U.S. and Canada we'll have some kind of a tournament and mm-hmm. that tournament will be, you know, a three or a four day weekend. And there'll be a number of games across the weekend. But what we'll do is we will bring in all of the players and effectively treat them as free agents. And we'll split them up, um, put them on different rosters on different teams. And uh, we'll split that across um, three or four or possibly even five divisions if we have to um, in order to keep everything fair and safe. Yeah, our key goal is to make sure that we're making teams that are, are experiences and, and teams, depending on what the age group is, but are fair. Uh, so we kind of want to match the sight and the skill levels and starting off with the kids' levels and moving up to the, you know, people play hockey a little bit to the people that are, are fairly good at the sport. So that everybody's there having a good experience, getting a chance to touch the puck and be part of the plays and walk away like going, that was really awesome. And so they're going to come back and do it again, whatever level they're at. Yeah. Can you tell us some, about some of the uh, well-noted players in blind ice hockey? Just, you want to start with players. Well, uh, yeah. So I guess we don't really um, 
we don't really track statistics very much. So it's, it's not like we, uh, uh, there's some kind of a point chase or anything like that, but we do have, um, you know, I'll mention Tim Kane is, uh, is the captain of team USA. Um, phenomenal skater, uh, excellent hockey player. He played sighted hockey up through one year of college, um, before his vision kind of got to the level where he, he wasn't able to keep up anymore. Um, We've also got Anthony Chesro on our team, sort of in a similar boat. Um, you know, again, degenerative vision condition, so was able to play for a number of years up and through college um, before he, he had to kind of give up hockey. And, and the great thing with, you know, players that are on this sort of end of it is that these are people that thought they lost their, they lost their love for, uh, they lost the thing that they love to do because of their vision. And then when they found blind hockey, they, they found that they could come back and do it again. Um, I know Gary, you've got, uh, any number of outstanding, uh, players on the Canadian side of the border. I'll, I'll let you, uh, talk about those guys. Yeah. We have the same kind of view. Jason, who are Kelly Sarbu. Um, quite a few players who played hockey at a fairly high level up into their teens, perhaps, or like junior hockey of different levels. Uh, some maybe have gone to college university programs. Um, that's kind of where your your stars seem to come from, as people have played hockey as a child and as they've lost their vision, stopped playing hockey, and as Kevin said, thought they lost their dream and then found a chance to come back and and really enjoy the game again. So uh, it's 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 a, a, a growing thing. I think we're going to get more people in both our countries like that who thought thought it was all over playing hockey and then find out there's a visual impaired program and, and that they can go there and, and succeed at whatever levels, you know, they want to get to. Now, um, do they, uh, do the players, do they train like any other athlete where they do a lot of weightlifting? Do they do a lot of like extra exercise and little extra practice bits? before they get on the ice? Well, so it's, it's kind of a, an interesting uh, situation. I mean, I think, as we probably know in the area of visual impairment, that uh, you know, physical activity is, is really a challenge for a lot of people. So uh, you know, getting people out to play hockey is kind of, in a sense, one of the goals. Uh, and that's really important. It's uh, both the physical activity and also the peer support as being part of a team. Uh, and then you know, certainly for the high-end athletes, uh, you know, the ones that are on the national team programs, uh, their standards are a bit higher as far as how much to get on the ice and, and what they're doing to train. And, and basically all these programs are fairly young. So uh, as far as the national level goes, and you know, we're kind of developing how, how the athletes will perform and what they'll be doing off ice. Um, but I think really, Kevin would probably agree with me. That, I mean, the key thing is just to get people out there on the ice and, and get them to exercise there and get them to be part of a group of visually impaired, partially sighted folks that share a lot of their common issues they're facing in life and at the same time getting good exercise. So Gary and Kevin, what, where, and when are some upcoming blind, blind ice hockey games that our listeners contend? Well, I think the, uh, the key sort of uh, premier events we have coming up are in the, in the new year. Uh, Kevin can maybe talk with someone, other, other ones in America, uh, but Canada has a national tournament in on March 22nd weekend in Toronto, where we have all kinds of different divisions from kids and youths to open division to a low vision development division. And, and, uh, and then who knows what else will be happening there. Uh, and I know also the next weekend after that in Tampa Bay is the USA disability hockey 
festival for blind hockey. Kevin, maybe you can speak about that a bit more. Sure. I mean, um, that'll be a sort of a more of a recreational event where it'll be one of our more more traditional styles of um, everyone will come as a free agent. We'll pair everyone off onto rosters and, and just uh, have fun for the weekend. That sounds good. Uh, but I, I do believe both of those events will be streamed live um, to the internet uh, and people can watch free of charge. Obviously, if you're in the Toronto area or the Tampa area, we'd love to have you come down and check it out live. But if not, there will be a live stream for both of those events. So I think um, the key thing, the key thing too, Kevin, is us to plug our, our places. So, I mean, if you go to Canadian Blind Hockey on YouTube, you'll certainly yeah. be able to see lots of different games and information like that and uh, CanadianBlindHockey.ca. And also kind of the main website for blind hockey is BlindIceHockey.com. Uh, and lots of information there. And then also USA Hockey, you can give your websites, Kevin. Yeah, so USA Hockey has a, has a blind hockey page off the main, off the main USAHockey.org. And we have the USA Blind Hockey Facebook Twitter and Instagram accounts, which um, which push out all of the events to our uh, through social media. Yeah, anybody mm-hmm. Google's blind hockey is going to get lots of lots of content. All right. Yeah, it's very different than five years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite different. <laughs> How do our listeners sign up to play blind ice hockey and form a team? Well, you take well, that, Kevin. If, yeah, if if you're in the states. Um, Send an email to usablindhockey at gmail.com, and um, we will do our best to uh, get you in contact with the, the right people in your local area. And in Canada, just send an email to info at blindicehockey.com. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter where you are. If you send that, we'll get it to Kevin, too, if it's in the States. But uh, uh, for sure, we can connect people up as best we can. Okay, great. Well, Kevin and Gary, you're an inspiration to us all. We hope that our listeners will play hockey, score some goals, and have fun this winter. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks very much for having us. Thank you, Brian. You're very welcome. And before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening. And remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community.
Have you heard? There's a new show on ACB Radio Interactive. This is Jason Castingway inviting you to join me on Artfelt. I will be bringing music to you that stands out, pieces that fill the heart and rouse the body, from symphonies that ring to songs that swing to harmonies that zing. Most fantastic, most fantastic and everything in between. My goal is to take you on a musical safari, leaving you with the satisfaction of a journey well spent. So tune in to ACP Radio Interactive for Artfelt every Tuesday evening from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern. For this is where music echoes the thoughts of the soul. Mission Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired. We want to wish you a blessed holiday season. We're happy to be part of the ACB family. So from all of us in Michigan, have a very Merry Christmas. And we wish you a healthy, happy, and successful new year as we all work together. Giving eyes and ears and hands and hearts to do what must be community around the world. This is ACB Radio. 